On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. We want to turn to the other side of Europe. We want to turn to the earthquake that occurred uh, just over six weeks ago in the border regions around Turkey and Syria. Um, there obviously was a lot of media coverage in the days after that earthquake struck as the search for survivors went on. As time goes on, of course, uh, there is always a situation where some of the media coverage ebbs away. So we thought it might be valuable to go back and check in exactly on, on what is going on there right now. Uh, Dr. Georgina Jordan is Goal's emergency response lead. She's currently based in Adana in southern Turkey and leading the Goal response there. Um, Georgina, thanks for, for talking to us. Uh, before we maybe talk about what is still left to do, can you give us some sense of what Goal has been able to actually achieve in the last six weeks there? Thanks, Gavin. Yeah. So um, obviously it's been about six weeks since the earthquake stuck and a huge, you know, 400 kilometers of destruction, millions displaced in Turkey, hundreds of thousands of buildings um, destroyed. We were lucky we were able to scale up rapidly uh, because we were already present in the areas where the earthquake struck. And um I mean, many of our own staff were affected by the earthquake, but they kind of got their families to safety and came straight to work, which was amazing. Mm. Very humbling. Uh, They slept in the office for a long time and they were able to get a lot of emergency life-saving relief out the door really quickly. You know, that would include things like water, sanitation, food, hygiene kits and shelter assistance. Um, We were able to do that really rapidly because we received a lot of pre-positioned stocks from the Irish Department of Foreign Affairs as well, very quickly after the earthquake. So that were the main things at the beginning, blankets, solar lamps. Uh, It's kind of difficult to explain from a human perspective Mm. what it means when you've lost everything. That means, you know, you've lost paperwork, but you also don't have things like underwear, you don't have toothpaste, you don't have food, you don't have water, and you don't have access to any of those things. So that life-saving humanitarian assistance was the first few weeks of what we yeah. did. Um, and of course you were dealing with all of that as well while some of your colleagues were also dealing with with personal trauma because they'd lost friends or family members and even some members of your own staff on either side of the, the Turkey-Syrian border as well. Um, so it's an extraordinary thing. Um, you just mentioned there in passing uh, and I'd just like to flesh it out because this is something that people um, you know, back home might not be fully aware of. You mentioned the idea of there being pre-position supplies uh, organised by Irish Aid. Can you just, just flesh that a little bit and just explain what you mean by that? So um, the Department of Foreign Affairs have um, pre-positioned stocks in a number of places in the world. Um, They do that through the UN system, the United Nations system, and we were able to get stocks out of their stocks in Dubai, coordinated with the UN. Um, Two very large planes, one and a half planes full of stocks came full of life-saving humanitarian assistance, things like blankets. It was still quite cold here at the time when the earthquake happened solar lamps, uh, non-food items, which is what we call them, but there are things like um, hygiene kits, things, you know, like toothpaste, um, diapers for newborn children, all of those kinds of things you need when you lose everything, Mm. food kits, um, all of that kind of assistance, and they were able to get those to us really quickly, and we were able to get them then where they needed to go to very, very quickly, because as I've said, we were present here. So we had existing relationships with the local government and other local partners. So we were able to get them, you know, out at scale uh, using partners that we had here, using gold staff and in, you know, in coordination with the Disaster Management Authority here and the local government. 
Mm. No, it's just impressive because I wasn't aware that there were um, already sort of Irish deployments of, of those non-food items around the world. So it's very reassuring in a way to know that there's that level of foresight where all these things are are farmed out and they're all they're all there ready to go should the need arise. Um, how difficult has it been to try and organise all of that when there's obviously been such damage to the physical infrastructure as well. So in, in another time, you might have been able to guarantee that there'd be you know, a highway or a motorway that could run to an affected area. But obviously the nature of an earthquake is that there's massive infrastructural damage as well as the human cost. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, uh, many of the areas we were able to access in a, in a couple of days after the earthquake, uh, one of the most effective areas of Hatay uh, took a few days longer, but the, the local authorities did clear the roads very quickly and the rubble so that people could get in and out and get aid to where it needed to go. Uh, the infrastructure was damaged, but not to the same extent of, as we would have seen in other places in the world, like Aceh, um, after the tsunami. I mean, the roads were open after a few days. We didn't need to use helicopters, for example, like we would have had to in other places. So there was challenges, but we were able to get around them. Uh, we were able to use our central warehouse in Adana to get stocks out to the affected places very quickly. Um, and then the other issue, of course, is that the this is an area, particularly on the Syrian side of the border, which has been at the centre of a lot of armed conflict for well over a decade. So um, without about the, the physical infrastructure, but certainly the health system and the health infrastructure there would obviously have been far from ideal before there being such a human trauma as an earthquake. Yeah, that's a, right. It's really important to remember that there was about 85, uh, 55,000 displaced families in northwest Syria who were already displaced by conflict and they were now displaced again because of the earthquake. And so what's really important in this kind of, I guess, a scenario like this is to make sure that people have access to soap and water and hygiene kits, because obviously if they don't, there could be um, secondary outbreaks of um Cholera, maybe, or other things like that. So it was really important to get those um, that water and hygiene kits, as we call them, which would be soap, etc., out as quickly as possible. And as you said, the health system there was already um, it was fragile, and we've been working there for years. So again, we you know we knew the local actors, we knew how to do this. Uh, in in the case of Syria, we'd also been supporting bakeries and and the water in infrastructure in northwest Syria for many years. So, you know, we focused on trying to get that up and running as quickly as we could. And we were able to do that because, again, based on those existing relationships and ways of working. Yeah. Mm. Um, Six weeks on from the earthquake, um, when a lot of the the Western media attention has dissipated because I suppose there's there's less prospect of, you know, finding survivors over time. So it just becomes a case of like dealing with with the rubble. What is the situation like six weeks on? How, How much of what's there on the ground is still... Um, effectively medical emergency for those who are displaced? How much of it is the infrastructural challenge of just removing rubble and trying to salvage some life? Or, or what are things like there now? So I think, yeah, so obviously we need to remember that um, the city of Antakya was very, in Hatay province, was very badly affected. And a lot of people left there and made their way to other parts of Turkey because there was no water, there was nothing um at the in the early days, uh, so a lot of people are still displaced in 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 various parts of the country. People are in different types of temporary shelter, and that itself is a challenge um, because obviously the government will work hard to make sure that you know there is t- uh, permanent, let's say, accommodation. But that's going to take time because of the scale mm. of of what we've seen. So there are people who are still displaced away from their homes. They don't have any homes to return to. 
And so that in itself is a challenge. Uh, people don't know what's coming next. You know, people are still thinking about what to do. Some people are starting to return slowly to the affected areas, but it will be a long time before um, there will be permanent accommodation or a permanent um, a solution, let's say, for all of these people that have been have been displaced. Um, at the moment, again, you know, the needs are, I was in Hatai two days ago, we were distributing uh, blankets and hygiene items and uh, kits for newborn babies. And the need there was still overwhelming um, as to what was needed. So that's really important. And I think as time goes on, the needs will change. Mm. And at the moment, you know, we do ongoing assessments to see what do people need. Um, and they will change over time. But we're still at the stage where we're looking at kind of this kind of assistance for now. Um, longer term solutions are being worked on. But people, as I said, are displaced and trying to think, you know, where to next, what to do next. And, and this will take time because of the of the scale of the disaster. Uh, there's still huge need. Um, and I, I've witnessed that in a few places in the last week or so, I think. Yeah. OK, uh, it's fascinating stuff. I'm glad that we were able to take some time just to catch up with exactly what what the, what's going on there, because, of course, just as as things move on, maybe attention drifts elsewhere. So uh, really appreciate you being able to talk to us this lunchtime. That's Dr. Georgina Jordan, who is Goal's emergency response lead, who's currently based in Adana in southern Turkey, leading the Goal response to aid distributions there. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.